Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today, we dive into the headlines of a WB controversy with a very special guest. And it goes so long that we are only talking about this today. This just in last week. Well, it's not really this just in last week. This has been an ongoing story for the last three months. And Ivana, myself, and a very special guest, one Cesar Ichienda, who is a huge DC fan. He's a pal of mine. We all love, I mean, it's not a good story, but we love watching what happens and unfolds with the Ray Fisher Justice League story because it's so fascinating and there's so many things to develop and and to come. Like there's so much we just don't know. Yes, I am so excited. I only recently just learned about this story and I mean, I immediately dropped everything. I texted Jay and I was like, Jay, we need to do a special episode. Screw three segments. We're like throwing the normal format out the window. We're going to talk only about Bill and Ted and this story because it deserves the time to breathe. You know what I mean? I totally know what you mean. And then, and then you said, why don't we make it an even more special episode and bring on a guest? Yeah, so our guest, Caesar, how are you today? Thank you for having me, Jay and Ivana. Like, it's uh, great to be here. And, uh, looking forward to chatting about some DC news and obviously this whole Ray Fisher story. Caesar, you have been following this thing from like the very beginning and we... We talk about it a lot. We do. It's. Uh, I think it's been an ongoing conversation for at least the last two weeks. I know we started from the beginning, but uh, it's really picked up steam over the last couple of weeks, really. So. Well, a lot has happened in the last couple of weeks. So why don't we start with the, the DCEU? We'll get into all the nitty gritty, but let's start right off the bat. You are a huge fan of DC, Caesar. What's your favorite DCEU movie? Um, You know, if I'm going to, you know... I've seen a lot of them with you, Jay. So I'm gonna have to probably yeah. say my favorite out of all of them would it would be a mix between Man of Steel and Shazam. Yeah, I, I'm going with Shazam for sure. As much as I love Wonder Woman, I also want to say Shazam. Hello, fantastic movie. It, and it just pulled the oh, heartstrings, yeah. right? So it was a great movie. That's a that's a big thing. It pulls at all the heartstrings. And here's my. My thing about uh, this DCEU is a Zack Snyder kind of creation. Like he started with Man of Steel Mm -hmm. and then he moved into BVS, Batman versus Superman. And yeah, strange next one. Well, yeah, I mean, and then Wonder Woman came out and Wonder Woman was actually lauded by critics. It was something that was different than Snyder's vision. Yeah. And Justice League was supposed to come out after that. So out of all those four movies, those first four, we're talking like really only one home run with critics and audiences. Wait a minute. Is Aquaman after the Justice League? Yes. Oh, in my, (laughs) wow. Okay. Justice League came out so long ago. You know what I mean? Oh, I know. So what do you, Caesar, what do you think of this? Like Snyder's vision for the DC universe anyway, like just on a, like visually, we all know the guy is a great visual director, but how do you feel about these first four films? Okay. So I I know we've talked about it. Um, 
I you know that I actually really like Man of Steel. Obviously, there I are do. Some, there's there are some elements that take away from the the original vision of what Superman is, especially near the end of the film. But I think where he started, he actually had a lot of help with Man of Steel comparatively to what he started doing with BVS and obviously with Justice League. Um, remember, he had Christopher Nolan help with the script, yeah, help with the movie. Um, but I feel. It, his movies tend to obviously being visually nice. His movies tend to be very convoluted, too much going on. And then at the same time, you have too many stories going within the story. Like if you look at Batman versus Superman, that's a story within itself. Yeah. But then you also had obviously doomsday. Then you had an introduction of all these other minor characters that, you know, they're not minor characters. Right. So, and then moving over to obviously justice league, which I think we're going to talk about a little bit further or a little bit later on. I, it just became one of those things where Justice or Zack Snyder got a, got too much power to be able to see a vision rather than having a team to be able to do that. And obviously Jeff Johns came in a little bit later, um, but it he's it, it was never a home run for me. His, his his universe, right? He's always talked about making a an, an adult version of the the comic characters, which to me is very weird because a lot of us grew up as kids. Obviously, grew up watching this as kids and well, there's also no it, right? reason that we can't have uh, uh, uh any film before everybody it can exactly. be for all ivana what do you think of the dceu uh universe like all these first four movies like do you agree with what caesar's saying yeah actually like for the most part except that I like the idea of doing like an adult dceu um on the face of it, but I agree, like his stories are a little meandering and visually they're beautiful, but I'm a person who is drawn in by character and story. And I tended to find that there were too many characters and therefore too little focus on one lead with the exception of Man of Steel. But even with Man of Steel, I I don't know, that movie... It's been a long time since I've seen it. I only watched it in the movie theater when it originally came out. I walked out of that movie theater thinking, oh, that was a really like beautiful movie that I'm never going to think about again in my life. And now I'm struggling to even like remember. But I, I just, I did remember that I didn't think that that was Clark Kent. I was like, this isn't Clark Kent. I love Clark Kent. I'm like Superman and Clark Kent are my favorite of all superheroes of all time. I think he's the best and uh, that just he, he wasn't Superman like or Clark Kent. He didn't have that innocence and that that optimism. Know. The optimism of Superman is not a bad thing. This is what I keep trying to keep trying to say. Like it is harder to be hopeful and optimistic in the world than to be a cynic. And Superman is exactly. continuously optimistic and it actually is harder for him to do that. He could go, screw it. I'm going to go and rob the banks and beat up everybody. He doesn't. And that's what makes him such an interesting character. That's uh, and, and to Man of Steel's credit, I do believe there are a couple of things that real, like real nuggets that I really enjoyed from that. Like when he's pounding on Zod saying, you think you can hit my mother or attack my mother. That felt like Clark. The yeah. first time he flies, that felt like Clark. Yeah. But there's a lot of other things in there. And I'm not even talking about 
what they're trying to course correct with all of the the people dying at the end of the movie. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm just talking mm. about the tone of the film is not it doesn't feel like Superman. No, and and I will say even those moments the problem for me is Henry Cavill is he he can't be like childlike. Like I've never he's all, he's a man. You know what he I mean? is a man. And yes. I think that Clark Kent in some ways has to main, have that childlike mentality. In that way, I think, I'm not saying acting style, I'm not saying even which one looks more like Clark Kent and Superman, because I think Henry Cavill is like literally a human Superman. But Yeah, like, me too. I, I think the Tom casting Welling, for most of this is all great. It's great. But Tom Welling, I found the one thing he had was those big puppy dog eyes. And I like my Clark Kent with, with at least that in the core of him, whether he looks like it or not. Caesar, are you hearing this? We're talking about Smallville on the podcast. I've never it's said anything bad about Smallville. Warming my heart. It's just warming my heart. <laughs> I thought you were just about to pull into a full on song there for a second. <laughs> we all agree. There are some issues that we feel maybe not with the visual stylings, but there are definitely some issues with the DCEU and leading up to justice league. We got Batman V Superman into wonder woman. Wonder woman does well. Batman V Superman is a holy God awful train wreck. <laughs> I, I'm not afraid to say this, even if it looks good. I'm not talking about Batman shooting people. I'm not talking about Martha. I'm not talking about bringing in all those people. I'm talking about, you made a movie where you killed Superman and no one talks about the fact you killed Superman. That is a fail in your film. That should be the emotional crux of the entire story and you screwed it up. That's an issue. That's a huge issue. And so going into Justice League, Snyder's got his vision again. Yep. And and we're all on board because we want to see Wonder Woman again. We want to see the Flash. Wait a minute. Yeah, and we also really want to see the Flash, but like I feel like before we get into that for a second, I disagree with the beginning of this statement. I don't oh. know that we're on board with Snyder because, you know, some people like Man of Steel. I think was like divisive. Like some people liked it, some people didn't. I agree. Um, nobody who liked Batman versus Superman. Uh, honestly, online. Probably a bunch of people listening to this somehow really did. I, I don't there, understand you. It's true. Like there are a lot of like the people that were, are clamoring for the Snyder cut version of, of Justice League are the same people that love BVS. That's right. Yes. I mean, like there was an outcry. Right. We need this movie. It'll, it'll fix the wrongs. And I don't know if anything can fix these wrongs. Well, here's the thing. Um, did you guys like Justice League, the film? Kind of, yes. Okay, kind of. Kind of, yes. No, I, I, I. I you had were, fun in the. You had fun in the end. You, you in the it. end, I saw a Superman that I wanted to root for, but I don't think the film is. It's a, a it's good a mess. film. It's a mess. It's a mess. Okay, so um, that's the thing, right? So I think like. You're right. The people who liked Batman versus Superman, they wanted the Snyder cut. I think that on a larger scale, even those people who didn't like this, like that movie, people still want the Snyder cut 
because the whole circumstance about what happened, which I'm sure we're going to get to, like with his daughter and everything and just how sad it is and how he poured his heart into this series, whether you like it or not, you know, I want him to have his chance to do his cut. You know what I mean? That, I mean, that that's a nice sentiment that I never thought of, especially really? because, <laughs> well, especially because like he said, he historically has said, I don't know how Justice League is because I've never watched it. And I'm like, well, what? I mean, maybe he did that to like, because he's he's either lying or because if I was him, I'd be watching it. Or maybe like if he 100%. watched it, that would like hurt his, I don't know, like existence or thoughts of the universe or whatever. And so he just didn't watch it. So he wouldn't like cry in a corner. I, I actually think that he, he, I think he's watched it. I've, I also think he's feeding the fan base by saying he's not going to watch it. Right. Yes, he's always wanted I his agree. Own, he's always wanted his, his cut out. He's, you know, he's thrown out pictures. He, he tweets out things of like from his vision, his, his cut. And, you know, it took four years, but his fans spoke. They were on Twitter. They were everywhere. They were posting to release a Snyder cut on everything. Um, I follow people just to see that what they do. And you know what? He got it. He played to their, like to what they wanted and he ended up getting what he needed and and now it's his vision. He's he got what twenty thirty million dollars to finish his movie. Yeah. And now it's a four hour movie. So let's talk about you know this awful tragedy that actually happened that made him have to step away from his vision of Justice League, which is the suicide of his daughter. And I I think this is the worst thing that a parent could probably go through. Hundred um, percent. It it's it's heartbreaking to me that anyone is going through this or anyone has to go through this or has. And I, you know, and it, and it sucks not to mention how far in with this cast you are and everybody seems to be getting along on set. And then this devastating thing happens to a friend of yours, your director, a friend and uh, you know, WB still wants to put this film out on time regardless so they look to other superhero movies and the biggest superhero movies of all time up to this point are the avengers and avengers age of ultron and that guy is joss whedon so they call joss whedon in and they say listen we like you know this is what i'm imagining happened now this may not have been what happened but wonder woman has just come out and joss is now on this project Joss is a lighter in tone person than Snyder for sure. Yeah, for sure. They see the numbers Wonder Woman does and what the critical acclaim was. And they, I think Warner Brothers says we need to inject some of that into this new script. You're going to finish it off. We need it this way and we need it by this deadline, which is like two months or something ridiculous. Yeah, they fast track that. Like, I think that there was a lot in the sense that he's hired because he does bring out that, like, levity and all of that stuff. And they knew that if they gave it to the guy who did Avengers and told them, like, and told him, we like Avengers, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, fix this. And, and, And just walked away. That's what he did with the film. It just, like... 
I mean, okay, just quick sidebar. Batman is not a quirky, funny, one-liner kind of fucking character. No, no he I, is not. Ugh. Like, like Joss is is a Marvel Universe kind of writer. Like, the DC Universe is very different than the Marvel Universe. And different characters can be funny and witty and whatever. But, like, it, you have to think about what's at the core of the character. That's a great point. I mean, Caesar, we have always said that DC is more science fiction and cosmic heavy. And it's and it's more serious in tone than Marvel ever is. It's more serious. It's more dark. Like whenever you think of DC, you think more darker. And whenever you think Marvel, you think like more like lighter. Like and and there and are exceptions. You know, like the Flash is a light a, hot, a lighter like hero in the repertoire. But you know, like Batman is always going to be dark. And you have Jeff Johns, who is heading up or executive producer. I can't remember what production level he is. Yeah. They give him a role of like chief creator of like, or kind of basically the Kevin Feige. He's the Kevin Feige of DC at this point. And Jeff Johns, some of your favorite Jeff Johns Caesar uh, stories. You have to talk about darkest night or sorry, blackest night. Um, What do you call it? Oh, now flashpoint flashpoint. These are darker stories. These are very dark stories. Yeah. But at the same time, he's, he's done star girl. So he's created a lot of light. He's also stuff. done Stargirl. Yes. Right, so, he's, so he's created a lot of lighthearted stuff. And um, I think kind of going back to your point, both of you get both of you where you say that they brought in Joss for that. I think with the fact that with Wonder Woman being so highly acclaimed and also seeing how bad BVS did. Yeah. The fact that, you know, this, I think as sad as it is to say, I think it was an opportunity for, for Warner Brothers to say, let's, we got to change the tone of this because look how bad this got comparatively to Wonder Woman. And we still have him doing Justice League. I think we need to see what we can do to make, make it more accessible to, to a bigger audience, right? We don't, we, they don't, he, I don't think they were just looking to do this out version, which is nice, but I, it, it just, I don't think it was going to fly. Here's my question though. Why didn't they give it to Patty Jenkins and why did they go Joss? Because if I was them, I would go Patty like you you get a lot of press for having a female director take over. You have the fact that she proved that she made like like artfully directed a fantastic Wonder Woman film. And I think that Patty Jenkins also understands DC better than Joss. And she allows there to be gravity within the levity that she creates, which sometimes Joss doesn't do, at least not with Avengers, not with his superheroes. I think with Joss, Joss is known as coming in and, and fixing up scripts. And that's probably one of his biggest things he's ever really done is, is go into movies and fix them up. And I think that's what they, they were kind of hoping for. And I, I don't think Patty mm. would have, like as good as she is, I don't think she would have been able to do the rewrites that they were probably looking to do. And um, like I said, I think that's, that's Joss's, that's one of his big things is going in and fixing a, a poor script and, and make it more accessible to, to the viewers. Right. So. Right. And, and she didn't, she didn't even write Wonder Woman. So I guess that's part of it too. Right. Uh, I think she co-wrote with Jeff Johns and someone else. If I correct, if I remember correctly. She's not listed in IMDb no. anyway. You also got to take into consideration the Patty Jenkins, like both of these films came out in the same year. So maybe she was tied up with something else after the shoot. Right, right, right. Uh, she, bo- she probably was tied up with post-production then. 
Yeah, she. I mean, I, I, I can only imagine how exhausted you are after running the gamut of marketing, and and then your movie comes out, and then they're like, "Oh, by the way, can you immediately fix this one that comes out in like it?" It was probably being worked on while she was working on Wonder Woman. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay, so with that said, like, Joss Whedon, uh, this is 2017. The Me Too movement is just around the corner. And we know some things about Joss now. And I will be the first to say the rose-colored glasses of Joss Whedon have come off my face. I think the guy is creepy. He cheats on his <laughs> wife. He he doesn't respect storylines with women at least he's done a whole lot of crappy things um to people in under his power he it seems like he really really likes anybody who idolizes him and he has that power structure he'll like have those little flings with those people and that's not right i don't know he he's come off as creepy i think he's a recluse now i i don't know what's going on on his resume but before 2017, he did Age of Ultron. And Age of Ultron broke this guy. Like, I think, Caesar, you had mentioned something about watching interviews with Joss. Yeah, the, the lead up to, to Age of Ultron. Um, and I, like, it, it was one of those things that when we, I think we were talking to at the time was, I, I actually stopped getting excited for Age of Ultron after listening to how painful it was for him and how much he was looking forward to finally getting you know off his marvel contract and it almost seemed like you know it was just being there talking about the movie was a waste of time and i remember going into this movie i'm like i if if the director has no excitement for this why should i and you know to be fair like it it, it's probably the worst avengers movie out of all of them and compared to the first avengers where there was so much hope in that movie um you know it's it was such a dive for me and it's you know like i said it it didn't resonate at all and i didn't like it i'm i have a question because i don't think i know that much about this but why was it so painful for him like what did like do we know anything about that yeah so disney basically made him shoehorn in a lot of civil war elements that he did not want in the shoot And there was a lot of reshoots. There was a lot of rewrites. And he felt like all of his creative juices that he had earned on the Avengers, where he had all this freedom, was completely gone. And sort of in the same way that the Rise of Skywalker handcuffed J.J. Abrams to, no, 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 you're doing this. They did the same thing to Joss. And he was totally a mess watching the guy. Like, I will agree with Caesar. You can't be excited for a movie when the director's like, I'm just tired. I, I like, I just want it to be done. And you're like, what the shit, man? They just asked you like, do you like Thor's hammer? And you're like, I just want to go home. Like that is terrible. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Anyway. So Joss Whedon. And, and maybe the movie would have been a lot better if it had been his way. Oh, a hundred percent. I, I, I think if he had gotten his way, we would have had one a little bit too. Like we would have had some things that were questionable. I still don't like Black Widow's characterization of being a monster because she couldn't have children. That was like I don't think bizarre. I, I just want to say 
I don't think that's what that scene was. I don't think that that's what she was saying in that scene. I think that she was saying that they sterilized her so that she would never even feel those emotions. Like, I think that what she's worried about with her monsterness is that she's just such a ruthless killer and she she worries that she can't, like, she doesn't have that piece of her heart that's, like, tied to nurturing in any way. I think that's what she's worried about. I think that, like, they yeah, sterilized her. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't her, like it. But then I don't they, like, like it at all. <laughs> sterilized her soul in the sterilization. And then now with her half, like, their soul. I think that, anyway, I, I think that's what it was about. I don't think that Joss wrote a thing where she was saying, because I cannot have children, I'm a monster. Okay, so getting away from the superhero thing and into the TV thing, what he did with Spike and Buffy, I freaking hate. Like, <laughs> I hate. I hate that rape scene. It's that was so weird. horrible. Horrible. And then there's the end of Cordelia Chase. Well, guys, the three of us, we love Cordelia, right? I, mean, I know I do. I know You I like do. her even more than I do. Of course I do. I like. I, I think... She- she was like my favorite. Like, I mean, I don't know. Buffy was amazing too. Everybody was amazing. Buffy was amazing. Thank you, Ivana. She said, but though. It's just Cordelia was also amazing. Cordelia grew in very interesting ways when she and Xander were together. I really liked that. Uh, I just, it's so hard because Joss Whedon is, is a, like, I have a lot of cognitive dissonance because a lot of the things I love in life, he created. But what he did to Cordelia Chase in Angel was oh, bullshit. Yeah. It's Agreed. the worst. I like I love the character and you screwed up the character by the way you got rid of the character. Like nobody who who loves the Buffy verse and it is something you created will tell you that you made the right call by making her some celestial bullshit and moving her off the season. It was absolute garbage, and he did it because he was upset that she had got pregnant, and so he couldn't finish up his storyline. Well, boo freaking who, man. So when you go and you make these decisions that are totally bullshit, it it affects your work. It like it makes you we, we learn all this new stuff to where you're a creep, but then we look at your work and we're like, man. You just you make bad calls sometimes. Yeah, I think I think that um, there's an element of Joss Whedon, and you can see it come out. I think even in in Age of Ultron, where if he doesn't get his way, he sabotages. That is that is interesting. Very, yeah, because like he's like screw you for getting pregnant now i'm gonna write you off which by the way is technically illegal because that's like discriminating someone on the basis of sex but um the then then he's like screw you for making me put in all these civil war elements i'm just gonna do a shitty movie and he did and he did and it's yeah it's definitely not the uh it's 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 not great (laughs) it's not it's not great uh so why all this talk about Joss? Well, because Joss obviously comes on with these tight deadlines and he's going to change it around. He's got to follow his script and he's got to move everybody's ass. And he doesn't know these people at all. They're not his people. They're not his people. He didn't ask for them. He does these reshoots as quickly as he can. And he slaps together a movie 
And we get Justice League, the theatrical edition, which we all agree, not great. Not great. Not great. I mean, it was like some parts were fine. I'll give it for, it gave some fan service, um, but they really did make Batman super cheesy comparatively to what he was in Batman versus Superman. They Um, were very strange connected movies. Very strange. Um, I really like Ezra Miller as the Flash. Yeah, he was quirky. He was funny. He he felt like like that kid just happy to be there, which is that's who the Flash is. In, in that's the who the Flash is. Yeah. Right. I I feel like him and and Gal Gadot like they created characters that I feel like are really perfect icons for those characters. Oh, I totally agree with you. You all, you have all this Snyder, moody, iconic looking footage and these tones that don't mesh very well together. And, and now there are story elements that are cut. I guess there was supposed to be some dark side. Cyborg was supposed to have a way bigger role. There was supposed to be um, a, a lot more lead up to that vision that Batman had had in Batman v Superman. And all this stuff is cut. There's characters who are cut out of the movie. And it's shorter than what Snyder also originally wanted. To be fair, that was probably at the request of the the studio. Well, that's the other piece. I think the studio was definitely involved with the pressure they put on the director to get a redone script really quick, shoot all these reshoots, edit it up and make that deadline. So there wasn't a lot of time, in my opinion, I don't know how much time there would be to like, sit down and build your characters in a meaningful way when you have like three months to get it all done, which is basically, you know, some people can work fast. People make movies like full movies for uh, that time. I mean, not including post and pre and all that stuff. Right. Um, and I, I think that probably a lot of the post and the editing was you know, almost happening as he was writing the script. Like, as the script changed, they were like, all right, go edit the the parts that were already shot in the totally. way that his script goes. And meanwhile, he's filming. And then at the very end, he they just, like, slotted in the parts that he filmed and then polished that edit. Like, I feel like that's how they did it. They must have. And I don't see you having a lot of passion when... A studio is looking for that deadline. You're trying to do all this stuff and, and you're working with people that you don't know. It doesn't add to a, I, I don't think I don't that would think add it's to such the a big greatest problem to experience. work with people that you don't know. I think we all do it. It's like a normal part of being in film. You know, you don't always get to like work with the same people. And part of working with new people is the fun of the job. I do not think that's the problem. Yeah, I think that's... It, it's, it comes with the business, right? You, you're not always going to be working with the same people. Um, at the same time, like, I think the biggest problem with that is, or with the movie itself was, I think when Joss came in and saw the, the original vision, he probably thought this was a jumbled mess. And to be completely honest, like, this Zack Snyder cut, if it is a big mess and, or isn't what people expect it is, in a way, it's kind of going to vindicate Joss for making changes, to be fair. But yep. I think when you look at the movie itself and, you know, the story is just kind of like, okay, there's somebody bad coming. 
what are we going to do? We have to make a team. And like, yeah, the team blends together in what, 15, 20 minutes? And then they go out and fight. It just, it didn't work. And I felt like it, the, like when Superman finally came in, you actually felt like he was Superman. As, as you had said, Jay, like, you know, he felt like the right type of Clark slash Superman. Um, but yeah, it, it's like, it, it wasn't fun. It was fun to see your, your favorite characters up there, but it wasn't fun to, to see how they were connecting to one another. And that was my biggest problem. And so after this comes out, everybody for years who really, really wanted a better Justice League movie call for the Snyder cuts. And it's finally announced probably four months ago, maybe three months ago, right before HBO Max comes out. Mm -hmm. They're going to do it. And it's going to be four episodes, hour long each. There's going to be a four hour TV show. You know what? (laughs) I think... That making it episodic, Snyder might just get vindicated because that's actually his style, I think, lends itself to miniseries. I think he's, you know, a miniseries director, but there's not enough miniseries in the world for him to get his hands on. I think for, I think when I, and I don't want to be harsh to Zach, he's not really good when it comes to a vision of a movie when he's coming up with the story itself so a lot of the stuff within the dceu is stuff that i don't like for example like the fact that dick grayson is the robin that died i think that's right. that's crazy right um i don't like the way he he kind of set up a lot of the stuff like even okay going just back to snyder Cut, in in his vision dark side is the main villain the side right. he, the not side, steppenwolf not steppenwolf it's he's the side of kind of coming in and helping out, but it's Darkseid as the main villain, right? And he has a lot of these other characters. Um, I think my biggest thing with, with Zack is the fact that he, he's he got a, a decent cast, but he also has a lot of love in his cast. Like, I, I don't, I'm not a, I, I liked Aquaman, but I wasn't a big fan of Jason Momoa's Aquaman. He's not a lead to me. And he doesn't necessarily feel like Arthur Curry is. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't give that off to me. So I I have to admit, I don't know very much about Aquaman. I didn't see his movie. I just like never read those when I was a kid. So it didn't. I don't. So what is he like? Can you tell us about that character? The one thing that in in the movie, and I think it has a lot more to do with James Wan than with Zack Snyder's version. Um, James Wan brought a lot of the character out of him being very moody because obviously he's kind of balancing the, the life of being half human half Atlantean, and then kind of mixing it both and, and then learning along the way. Uh, the problem with, for me, for, with Jason, is that he doesn't have the range to be able to kind of pull and, and pull those strings to be able to get people to kind of like him. He's not that likable as an Arthur Curry. And yeah, you kind of get it, and you kind of like, oh, it's great to see him in, in the gold and green suit. But, you know, it, it, it wasn't that believable to, <laughs> even though it's a comic book movie, he wasn't that believable as being the guy that can, can mesh and bring two worlds together, which is what Arthur's really about, is about making people understand that you can coexist with one another, right? And that's how he brings in the, the, the two sides of his life. So, Yeah, in the comics, Arthur's a, he's pretty fierce yeah. in the comics. He, he's, he is short-tempered, but he's also very understanding, and 
I mean, he's thrust into a world that he doesn't know. And the way Momoa plays it is a complete D-bag. I would never in a million years think Arthur Curry would pull that way. Exactly. Knowing he's never seen this world before. That's interesting because, and I haven't seen the movie, but like from just seeing interviews of um, Jason Momoa, it sounds like Jason Momoa has a lot of aspects of that character, but the character he played does not. Yeah. I would, I would totally a hundred percent agree. I love watching Jason Momoa in actual interviews. There's a couple of times where you really like him in the film, but for the most part in the film, he's kind of a douchebag. Yeah. And you're like, he was a little bit of a douchebag. Is it because he was written to be a douchebag? Like, is he just like, would it take literally casting someone who had a completely different face to be able to like soften the lines that he was given because that's the one thing about Jason Momoa in real life, right? Like in real life, he, he looks like someone that could be a douchebag, but then he talks so differently. He has a very gentle, like Zen almost vibe around him. And so I could see if you have a person who looks as fierce as he does saying things that are fierce it, unless he's like delivering them in such a way. And I don't think that people would buy it in that case. Like you can't say douchey things while looking like a douche, even if you don't mean it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> but the, the, I think the really good example of him being kind of douchey is when he's with Mira and you yes. know, she kind of pulls up the air pocket out and all of a sudden he's really rude and, and weird to her, even though she's trying to like, you know, kind of connect with him. And then all of a sudden he flips the script like do, like about getting some you know some armor or his armor to help out and it's like like it, it didn't really feel like he was gonna go that way and then he does and it's just like it's almost like you're just filling in the gap of okay now he's gonna go help Batman and and Wonder Woman and team up with them which never really felt the way and because like like Jay said he was kind of a bit of a douchebag and even in Justice League he's he's just like bro Aquaman and that's a weird. That's a weird Yeah, take. that's definitely how he was. Like, I, I don't even really remember him in Justice League. Like, I just, like, I remember Ezra really well. I remember Cyborg. I remember, uh, obviously, Ben Affleck and Gal Gadot. Like, but I don't really remember him. Because <laughs> he's he's catch line, catchphrase guy in it. He's like, my man. Like, that's kind of his <laughs> role in the film. And I don't want to shit on Aquaman because I actually think, like, He's Out of all cool of the movies, it's the best looking movie in the DCEU. Like, I think if you have a beautiful television, you should put Aquaman on always because oh. it is gorgeous. <laughs> Do you guys recommend I see it? I it's actually I've a fun film. It's yeah, a it's, fun it's film. a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Okay. Like, um, I would say Mara's probably great and... And Patrick Wilson's awesome. Patrick, Patrick Wilson is great. And Nicole Kidman actually is. She steals a couple scenes really, really well. Yeah. Uh, I Yeah, I think you should see it. I mean, there are moments where you like Jason Momoa in the role. But it, but overall, it's just like, sometimes you're like, I'm not buying this, man. No. Like, I'm just <laughs> not buying you as Aquaman. And he does something so anti-heroic at the beginning of the film. 
that I almost like hate him for doing for a good half of the film. I know which part you're talking about. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. (laughs) Anyway, we're getting off topic a little bit, but uh, so these Snyder cuts are released. We have new details coming out. And after the Snyder cuts are released, the first tweet goes out from Ray Fisher saying that he wants to retract and it's it's a video right it is a video of of a video from comic-con the year before justice or the year that justice league is coming out um where he's wearing an i love Zack snyder shirt but he's also kind of saying how joss came in and you know helped finish the the script during the you know the, the terrible time um and then he's forcibly retracting that statement to be able to you know say that you know, at that point, he they, he experienced gross, abusive, unprofessional, completely unacceptable behavior from Joss Whedon, and then kind of names or names Berg and Johns as as somebody who or as people who enabled Josh Whedon to do those things. Right. So this is where we actually get into the meat of the story. We've been talking for forty minutes, forty five minutes, but now we're actually the meat of this story. But I think everything that came before is really important to talk about. It's all so relevant. It's all relevant, and this is what makes this story so interesting: is that we keep coming back to central things. Like, well, what about this part about Justice League? And it's not like Snyder's vision was the best, or uh, you know, Joss was always a creep, or whatever. Like, there's all these aspects to it. So he, he says, if you, you know, Joss, if he's got a problem with this, you can sue me for slander. But of course, Joss being the recluse that he is now, the recluse, he is, he's nowhere. I don't know where he is. He's, he could be dead. Nobody knows. <laughs> and the details that he's giving are pretty vague. To what Caesar said, gross, abusive, unprofessional, and completely unacceptable. Those are the things we know. And it, we know that an investigation began, or at least the startings of an investigation. Well, so he he called, I guess, whenever he made these complaints. And my guess is that he made the complaints before he then said, did the retraction and, like, did the gross and abusive behavior stuff. And because... My guess is that's how he's calling attention. So I think maybe there were complaints made. Nothing came of it. And I'm just guessing, obviously, at all this. But it, it's also, that's a story that you hear time and time again when people have complaints, right? Like, um, just to completely sideline, but like when we were learning a lot of the things that were happening with Me Too, and I'm not saying that this is a Me Too story, but um, what we learned as everything came out is that people behaved in ways that would not normally be acceptable in the me too instances. Um, those people sometimes attempted to speak out through proper channels like HR, whatever. And that often HR and lawyers would be dispatched to actually protect the company from the complaint and not actually investigate the complaint. So like That's right. this is this is a pattern of behavior that we have seen executed not just by film studios but also by regular corporations um in other cases. And like 
there have been civil rights cases about discrimination and stuff like that too that all follow a similar pattern of behavior from the part of the corporation which is that they say thank you very much we're going to look into this and then because of the fact that the people that they employ to look for into it they are employed by that corporation so like when you ask a lawyer who is employed by and I'll just go back quickly WB to investigate something because WB is the client of that lawyer that lawyer is bound by that relationship to act on behalf of that company. That's right. And so I think that's where all of this is kind of happening. So my guess, this is just my own view, something happened. There might have been complaints made up proper channels, especially given that we know that SAG is involved. That's like common knowledge now. So at minimum- And we, and we know that Ray did sit down with Jeffrey John, Jeff Johns and Berg and the- the president of WB. So just so you know, when he's sitting down with these people, that's him going through proper channels. Right. In the right ways. So he's obviously like, we know that he's probably done these things because of all the evidence. And so he likely went to HR. Then they went to this person. Then like at every level of someone not listening to him, he just went to a more powerful person, even up to the very top of the studio. Right. Right. And then nothing came of it. So that's when he came to online. So my guess is something happened that said nothing went wrong. There was no bad behavior. And then he stuck with the choice of ignoring or like using the weight of the online community. I think he leaked stuff online to get an investigation going. Yeah. So some of the stuff I think happened that he complains about obviously happened right before DC fandom um, and, and, and kind of leading up to that to the point of when he actually got on into that interview and then he left um, because he feels like um, that Warner Brothers was basically trying to hide a lot of things or trying to pull it, push it under the rug by, you know, the Batman um, announcement. Some other things are going on with like Jason Momoa and then obviously kind of everything leading up to it. They were hoping that people will forget about what, or that that's what he's saying. That was the hope that they would forget about his complaints. And then he just kept going, right? And all at the same time, remember, with DC fandom coming up, Cyborg is a big component or a big part of the Flash's Flashpoint movie that they're doing. And at the same time, they're actually trying to still bring him back to do this movie. So I, I think Oh, yeah, they're I, working on contracts at this point. Yep. To bring him into the next phase of, I guess, the DCEU. Uh, and, and I mean, it's got to be difficult to be working on your contract when he's still trying to make this investigation happen. But See, I, I think disagree. it's important think that he that does that. The fact that he has is working on the contract gives him the power to say, I would like this investigation to happen. Because let's just be honest. Up until his first leak, there was no investigation. That first leak then, like, really is what started what they called the invest independent investigators. And I guess he has discovered in some way, and I don't know if this is true or not, but that it that the people who were hired to investigate are actually, they work for WB, which means they're not independent. Right. They work for Warner Brothers Pictures and not... Like Time Warner specifically. They actually work for the movie division. Right. And so 
you know, there is a conflict of interest there. So I think that that is where, and that's where we come in with this interview, right? Where he showed up and then kind of left the interview. Right. So he walked out of that interview, told them he needs representation and, and he does a video where he says, I want, I want a new investigative team and I want it third party and that he wants to vet that party as well. So they can do a proper investigation. At this point, that's kind of where it stops. I just want to say that, like, I don't think that it's unreasonable for him to be asking. I don't know about the vetting, but like, and although if I was asking for something, I would ask for that. But like, I think it's very reasonable to say that you cannot effectively investigate your own company with your own employees. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We also don't necessarily, like, we, we're going by by Ray's word at this point saying it was, in fact, a company from Warner Brothers and only Warner Brothers. And we don't, like, Warner Brothers hasn't said that that is the case. Ray is only saying it's the case. It could be the case. They also haven't denied it. They haven't denied it, but they've also said that they haven't found any evidence that leads to the claims we don't know what those claims are well that's what i mean that so see this is what i'm saying is that like he said that there was bad behavior on set to the point that he wants an investigation which to me says if you're investigating something the thing that you're complaining about is actionable because there's nothing to investigate if it's not actionable um and so but when he said that, Warner Brothers came out and they said they disagree. They do not think anything bad, untoward happened here. And then he says the people investigating this are employed by Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers said nothing. So we don't know what's going on, absolutely. Right. And Warner Brothers could just be staying silent because um, they think that that is smarter from their PR people than to deny. But... It's like I would assume they would have denied normally. And so while this is happening, the world is erupting in in Black Lives Matter protests and representation and discrimination. And Ray Fisher's uh, Twitter lights up with things about what's going on with Star Wars and John Boyega. And John Boyega says that there was definitely discrimination because his character was black in Star Wars that led to a less developed character in the Star Wars universe. And he believes that that was racially motivated to uh, bring not only himself, but the character of Rose, Kelly Marie Tran, both had uh, arcs that were, were, were less, their characters were less developed than Daisy and Kylo Ren. And there's a lot of conversation around that. So while Black Lives Matter is happening, this is happening. And... Ray is retweeting John and saying, fight the good fight. And that is also what happened in his film is that he had a great role and then they de-characterized it. There were things in that performance that he, that we're learning that he didn't want to say, he didn't want to be the cool black guy uh, who says booyah. And that was something token. I don't know that. It's not that he didn't want to be a cool black guy. He didn't want to be a token. 
I think I had read that was the exact word. So I was just saying specifically those words. I read about it too. And like he meant the token cool black guy. That's right. He did. And, and he felt like as a, as a black person that that wasn't something that he as a character wanted to do. And Joss said, you're saying the line. So he said the line in that sucks. I, I would think that a, a person of color being told that they have to say a line that they feel is discriminatory to the character they're trying to put on screen. That sucks. But I also think Caesar cyborg. Exactly. Booyah is his catchphrase. Is like that's, that is entirely fan bait right there. That the fan base went crazy. They saw cyborg. Snyder wasn't making fan bait movies. But Joss was. I I agree that Zack Snyder was not making that film for fans, but Joss definitely was. Because when you see the finished product, you know that all of those little instances that he added, they were there for fans because Joss Whedon, he's a comic book writer. He has the comic base down. He knows he's written for Marvel. He's written movie. Yeah, he's written massive comics for Marvel, Zack Snyder, while he definitely likes comic books because all of his movies are not original except Sucker Punch. And that was not great. And it's not great because it's the original story and it's Zack Snyder. And he, and he doesn't really worry so much about those stories. For Zack to not know that, you know, Dick Grayson is not the one that died and to think that that's what you're going to do. Like, there's a definite, definite counterbalance between Joss's comic book world and Zach's. I don't think that the details that we know about are the details of the complaint. I think that these are things that we know about and I think they're shitty, but I personally do not think that this is what he's complaining about because your job as an actor often is to, you know, you've signed on to a project, you're contractually obligated and you, and you have you there's a lot of pressure to do what they ask you to do no matter what it is and that's a common it's common in film you know what i mean like whether it's an indie film or a big studio picture the people who are making it have a certain vision they need the actors to do the thing and it's not uncommon that actors are asked to do things they're not comfortable doing and most of the time it ends up that the actors do it And as you said, all of the things we've kind of discussed so far, nothing really sounds actionable to you as far as what goes on in an actor's life. I mean, that really does suck. And and, uh, I feel like I understand that when you're asked to do things that you just think are degrading, it's one of the, the most difficult things in the entire world. Um, I'm reading actually a very interesting memoir right now. Um, it's, I guess, a an auto, I guess all memoirs are auto memoirs. It's by, um, David L. Wolper. And he is a very, very famous producer. And he actually produced Roots and the Roots, um, like round two or the, the second. Yeah. The, mini- the most recent Roots. Yeah. Like he did both Roots. And I don't know about most recent, but the original, like the original roots, that was all him. Right. And um, in part of doing roots, 
he actually had to have um, one of his actors who was portraying a slave. Um, at some point, he was supposed to get on his knees and apologize to his master. And when they were, and he tells this story in his book, and and um, so I just want to make it clear that that's his view of how it went down. Right. Um, you never know how the actor interpreted it, but he had discussions with the actor before they took on the role saying, you know, you have a very difficult role ahead of you. I can not even imagine what it is to play a slave who is abused being a black man in America. Um, and so, and are you going to be able to do and say the things that we need you to do and say? And that actor in that phone call uh, said yes. And then when f- they got to the scene, the one scene where all that's really what they were talking about, like the worst part was when he gets on his knees and he begs for his life and like that kind of stuff or apology. And that actor had a really hard time because in that moment being asked to do that in front of that man, it's like, a whole other level, especially in the States, especially like just when, and it's only the seventies, like not things are super racist still, even like, I mean, I guess things are really racist right now, but like on some level it's, they're not as this quite the same as they were then. And, and there was a lot of like back and forth. And then eventually the actor did it and they got the shot and they got the scene and that was that. And so that's a pretty common thing. An actor is asked to do something very difficult in that moment. You feel, you know, like sometimes doing a rape scene, doing a sex scene, doing something that is against what you believe in from a a race perspective and many other things, you know, this can happen. It's common in film. I don't think that it's actionable. So, yeah, going back to probably before um, before the movie got started with with, uh, Zach and um, if you look back, a lot of the things that Zach has said, even up until you know him finishing up his cut now, he's always said that the heart of the movie was going to be Cyborg. That was what he had worked on. The whole backstory that he created, um, the fact that in, in his version of the movie, Silas is, dies, right? And that's how he also connects Cyborg to the rest of the character because he's the one that gets to see that. Um, so knowing that and knowing the fact that Zach, as well as Ray, have, have said that they've worked together to create a, a character that would come off as, as the heart of the film, but also connecting each of those individuals to one another, but also to him, because obviously he's connected to the mother the mother That's boxes. That's right, yeah. Right, so as, as he was born from the mother boxes, he's also probably, in a, in a sense, he's also creating the, the league or connecting the league to one another. So... You know, when you, you look back, obviously, there was some type of special bond between those two, right? Definitely and, the fact and, that he gave them. And those great. discussions ahead of time set the expectation for what his role was going to be. Exactly. And, and to have Joss Whedon kind of take that back, say it's this now, could, like, that is... It, it could be hard. That's got to be, be like hard. It, it's... It, in a sense, I feel like there was probably like a bit of a gut punch. If, if we look at, uh, at the movie deeper and we, we've seen, and I'm sure you guys have all seen a lot of those pictures that Zach has posted, there was a lot of backstory for The Flash, for Aquaman, for Cyborg. Iris was in this film. Iris was in this film. Yeah. Right? Um, 
for Aquaman, there was a bunch of people that weren't in the film that were in Zack's vision, right? So that was all taken away. Obviously, Warner Brothers wanted a shorter film. They wanted to have more more viewings. You know, they wanted people to see the film. Um, they wanted to make as, some money. Exactly. So I don't necessarily feel like Joss picked him to like pick on. I think he was looking to make a more cohesive movie, whereas you had so many characters, and obviously Joss knows doing Age of Ultron. Once you pack in so much, it ruins the movie, and literally it ruins it movies. It re- I I definitely agree with that. Like I think you cannot. It's hard to watch movies with too many main characters. Exactly. And, and so for a that. long time, uh, you know, the rest of the cast didn't say anything up until. Last week, when my where, boy Jason Momoa, where your boy Jason, Jason Momoa, Momoa, something happened, and there was a Warner Brothers leak, or or they leaked it purposely, or an announcement that Jason Momoa was going to voice Frosty the Snowman, <laughs> and it, from what it sounds like, that is that is not what happened. No, he's completely flat out denied it. Um, now, if he comes out later and he plays Frosty Snowman, I'm going to be like, well, what happened there? But for right now, he's not playing Frosty Snowman. Yeah. And well, he might be in contract negotiations, but he's probably saying it's not a done deal. I mean, I, he used some not safe for work language, but totally safe for this podcast. He says this shit has to stop and needs to be looked at. Ray Fisher and everyone else who experienced what happened under the watch of WB pitchers needs proper investigation. I just think it's fucked up that people released a fake frosty announcement without my permission to try to distract from Ray Fisher speaking up about the shitty way we were treated on justice league reshoots. Serious stuff went down. So that is what he said. Right. So I think that serious stuff went down is for me, one of the more important parts of that statement. I also think that, yeah, based on this, there's not gonna, he's definitely not going to be frosty because I think that burned that bridge. And I, and I also think that it's interesting that he outs the fake story because if it did come from WB, um, that's a big deal. That is actually like showing that they're they're covering things up probably, maybe. I mean, it's definitely not looking good for them. I mean, their PR and marketing team sucks at this point. Like, it, from, as a marketer, as a guy who works on social media, I'd be like, dude, you guys suck. Like, this is, what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> like, like, nobody troubleshooted that. At all? Maybe he is close to like getting to a deal and then someone just went ahead and like pushed it out. And then he's like, well, now there's definitely no deal. <laughs> like, now, now, Jason Momoa is the only other cast member who has come forward. Can I just ask though, do you, do you think that a fake or like a Frosty the Snowman announcement would distract anything though? Like, I, I didn't even know about the Frosty the Snowman thing until I saw his post. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, yes, but I think that there were other things that have come out when, so whenever Ray made, like, any noise online, there would just 
after that come out with like different things that they're promoting. You know, those other things like the Batman announcement and there's yeah. an entire like conspiracy that essentially um, he came out as a whistleblower basically against whatever happened in the, it, during this movie. And, um, and then they came out with Batman announcements and, you know, like Batman, like videos and like, like just like things. And then people were obviously very excited about Batman. Let's be honest. Like that's all I saw on the internet for a few days. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see any of that, but I, I think he said just this week that, Oh yeah. Remember when this came out, this was actually to block what I was saying. Yeah, the and, right, and so he's saying it, and, and the conspiracy theorists are saying it. Now, I don't, yeah, like I don't think any of us can know if that's true because obviously they are gonna want to pre-promote Batman. It's normal when you're doing um, superhero stuff that you put out these like teasers and trailers and all that, even as you're still filming. But because like it, it gets people excited for the event. Now, he may be. Right. And this is where it gets interesting in the conspiracy theory world, because people are saying that Momoa is basically like trying to, with the whole frosty thing, put the nail in the coffin. Like because of Momoa's statement, that adds credence to Ray Fisher's previous allegation, which to be fair, like from a from a fact perspective, I don't think we can know. I don't think anyone can know that. Except the yeah, people involved. Yeah, yeah. As far as... I, okay, so let... This is what we're talking about. This is a fascinating, ongoing story that we continue to talk about. And the... the You're right, Ivana. Like, the truth for me is that I don't know what happened. I, I can't speculate. I think it's... I think it might be dangerous to speculate if, if like, physical abuse happened... If, if if it was racial discrimination, I like it's almost irresponsible, I think, to be like, oh, it's got to be that. I, I just don't know what this is. And I'm not ready to say, like, I stand with Ray. Although I think what Ray is doing is, like, wicked brave. He's trying to force change in a an industry that Ivana knows all too well is taking forever at a glacial pace to change. Hopefully he can do all this and get into the next flash movie. Cause Caesar having him in the next flash movie will be stellar. It, it's needed though. Right. It, it, it's part of the story. He's an, an integral part of the story itself. And I, I'll give Ray a lot of credit. He was a pretty decent cyborg. Like I, I liked, saw. I liked Ray Fisher's performance in justice league. When I left the theater, I said like, well, at least he really gave it everything he could. Exactly. Because not everybody did. <laughs> no. <laughs> so what do you what do you think, Caesar? Like, obviously, we all want this change in Hollywood to happen, but are you ready to say I stand with Ray? It, it's tough for me just because of I think I think the whole idea of, of always believing somebody is important, especially when something like this comes up. Um you know, the fact that he's been very, and, and obviously he's, he's probably not trying to give a lot away or obviously based on the fact that there's an ongoing investigation going on. But I think for him, 
he's he's, he's also he's said tweeting that he's a lot. tied to the NDA. Yeah, yeah, but he's yeah. tweeting he a is lot. Tweeting and a he's lot. sending out messages. He's doing Instagram lives where he's talking about almost saying something but not saying anything. And you're just almost like, well, you know, if you're at this point, it's either you don't want to say a lot or don't say anything at all. Like either you say something or you don't because. It's almost like you're leaving everybody hanging with with what's going to happen next, and then you know the next day there's another tweet, and then you're you're saying this and doing that. So it's it's hard for me to say I stand with them because, yeah, I know Joss is a bit of a creep, but at the same time I I feel like I need to know more, right? And you know if it came down to him not liking the way his character changed, well, you know you're looking at a movie that was four hours long to Zack Snyder to a movie that was under two hours for Warner Brothers, right? Yeah, your, your character is going to change. It's going to have to change, right? Like, the shitty part about Zack Snyder's vision was that we jumped from Batman v Superman with snippets of each of the other characters to a full-blown movie. There was no backstory. We never yeah, learned we, about it. we don't know guys. anything. Exactly. And yeah. then them coming in and seeing probably a mess of a movie, and hopefully not in... If these Zack Snyder cut fans end up getting a really shitty movie, it, it's not going to be necessarily great for Zack in the long run. But I, I just also feel like you have to compromise a bit. And I, I can't say he, if he felt bad about something that, you know, he shouldn't feel bad about that. But I, I do need to know more and I, I want to know more because, you know, his character is beloved, especially by other comic book readers. Right, he's one of the first black characters to really show a lot of strength, a lot of maturity, but also being super intelligent and understanding the loss of what he was. Right, he was a super athlete. Right, yeah. he was something, and he's also he's also re- there's nobody in the DC universe that does not love being around Cyborg. Yeah, everybody about, trusts him. He's the think, most trustworthy person in like the DC universe. He's also the, the He's on so many different teams. <laughs> yeah, he's everywhere. He's everywhere because yeah. he meshes well with everybody. Totally. So. Ivana, where do you uh, do you stand with Ray? Do you think that this is the time to say that hashtag I stand with Ray Fisher? For me, uh, let me I think I need to explain. Um, I think, and I have a theory that Ray Fisher pursued an investigation or pursued stuff through proper channels was met with closed doors, uh, cynicism, people saying, I'm sorry, sometimes sincerely, sometimes not, it seems. And at the end of it, he thought, well, if I say this to the, the world, the fan base, the fan base is going to put pressure on the company to, to act ethically. And I think that's what this is. I don't think that he wanted to go out there and say things. I think that if he does not put out cryptic tweets often, I think if he does not answer these Instagram lives, if I don't, I don't think if, I think he's doing all of this in order to basically cause people to cause an outrage on his behalf. Because it could be many things. And I believe him... 100% that this is a serious thing. Whatever he is trying to get to the root of or expose or whatever, I think it's serious. Don't know what it is, but 
you know, we've seen time and time again, different studies, different historical things. It is absolutely common that someone who comes out with a complaint, an allegation, you know, like they, someone did this to me, the serious thing, whatever that serious thing is, it is often the powerful people who try to shut those people down, keep them quiet, move things under the rug because they don't want bad PR. And then, and because they're trying to shove things down because they don't want bad PR, it breeds a system that is oppressive that, you know, can continue, these bad things can continue to happen again and again. We've seen that playbook played out in many ways across history And I think that we're seeing it again here. So I have no reason not to believe him. And um, I think similar to Me Too victims who have come out with allegations that something was wrong. I don't know what he's alleging, but, you know, probably my initial instinct is to believe that whatever he's alleging is likely true. I think it's further underscored by Jason Momoa's support. I think that someone who's... first big break is literally the justice league movie that person is give is putting everything on the line so he's got to believe in it you know what i mean even though he wasn't really a household name until this i still don't think this is going to help his career in the long run so i think he's really putting it all out on the line and that makes me think that i could believe him more however like what am i believing i don't know so i think that it it would be good if Warner Brothers listened to the people and, you know, put in just an independent investigation and let the and and we'll find out at the end of it. You know what I mean? And I'm OK to wait. I don't need to know what happened. I, I'd rather wait till the end. And I think that's I don't think this story is going to go away. I think that Ray Fisher is doing a good job of keeping it relevant and maybe we will finally end up getting an investigation that turns up and we we learn more about what actually happened on that Justice League set. From what I understand, and I think we can all agree, sounds like a pretty crappy time for everybody on that set after as the reshoots took place. I have not been following like the DC news in terms of like the movies that are coming out and all that kind of stuff. How does the new Batman fit in? Is this like a new universe? Like what's going on? Yeah. So with, I guess you could say, uh, Bat- Pattinson's uh, Batman, um, it's it looks like it's being done kind of like a mid-90s type film noir version. Um, it doesn't fit into this DCEU universe just yet. And I, I say that because of what I've heard and what I've read with this Flash movie that's coming out. Yeah, it's going to... Uh, I was it's just basically going to restart the DCEU, right? So the idea of Michael Keaton being in it, bringing in Ben Affleck, having a mis- almost positive Gal Gadot is going to show up in this movie because she kind of has to. I'm also assuming that um, uh, Aquaman has to show up in this movie. Um, there will be no uh, reverse flash, which is a bit weird, but that's fine. But the idea is that because of the ability to meld all the multiverse within the DCEU, the idea is that within this movie, it's going to be able to connect that new Batman. How? I guess we're going to have to wait and see. But the idea is that this movie will be able to... So he's like a multiverse Batman? Yes. Yes. Just Just like Michael Keaton is a multiverse Batman right now. 
and George Clooney is a multiverse Batman. Exactly. All these people are multiverse Batmans right now. And this actually so, got okay, so they're all living in, in their own universe. I love right. the Flash. Can I just say for like a moment yes. that the Flash is fucking awesome? The concept, the story, the idea of the time travel, the multiverse, which also, by the way, is like the current string theory. Like this is the world we live in. There is a multiverse. And then remember, this all started at the beginning of the year with Crisis on Infinite Earths on the WB. Oh, wait. On the new, what's that? CW. CW. Yeah. But, that, actually, but those are different, right? Like, those are like, that's two different universes of the DC, no. like, completely. No? They're, actually, they're nope. involved in this universe. They're another multiverse. Yeah. And Ezra Miller actually showed up in that movie. Or in that yeah, TV Ezra movie. Miller showed up on a Flash episode as oh. the Flash from the Justice League. From universe. the Justice League movie. So I'm, like, and two seasons behind right now, but watching it currently and, like, oh, man. <laughs> Well, and he also name drops Victor. Yeah, this is the stuff that is next level DC and where you can have the Robert Pattinson like gritty down to earth Batman year one Batman and also have Batman Zack Snyder Batman and all that. But I think that getting this first in your first shared universe, having the Snyder vision, bad call. It would have been better to have all of the better Shazam, Wonder Woman style stuff up up. front and then cruise into. Because you've already done your gritty Batman. Well, and because that's kind of how the comics happened, right? Like, and you're right. The dark Batman happened with Nolan. Yeah, exactly. You already got the, you already got the Joker, Heath Ledger Joker, who was like, you're never getting a darker Joker, I can't imagine, unless it's animated. I don't see it happening. No. And yeah. you get a gritty real world aesthetic in the Chris Nolan once. But to go from Christopher Reeve's Superman to Henry Cavill's Superman, it's too big a chasm. And then you still made a movie where you killed Superman and no one cared. That I will I will say that forever. I don't care, Twitter. I know we've had lots of fights about this, Twitter, but I'm not backing down. It's it's real interesting. It so does the Christopher like does the Nolan Batman also fit into this universe? Yes, it does. That's just crazy. Yeah. So one of the nice things, and you're probably gonna find out as you watch the Flash, is when you watch Ezra Miller's Flash, he gets his name the Flash from the TV show because he's never named the Flash in the movie. So they're actually going to tie that into his movie that he's learned his name from connecting with Barry Allen's Flash from the CW, which then Barry I'm Barry Allen is an Earth one. So then what Earth are we in in Ezra Miller's version? So, so technically they're in the CW. There's no Earth one anymore. It's actually Earth oh, they, Prime. They, they've moved beyond that. Yeah. So now it becomes, well, you're going to have to see because it's going to meld all together and they become Earth Prime. Where now well, I think that's the season I'm on is where there's the going to be a yeah, meld at the end, I think. I'm, at least that's my like theory is that's what they're moving towards. I will say no more. <laughs> but you're on the right track. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, Caesar, I'm so glad that we had you on the show today like to, to talk about this entire fascinating story of Ray Fisher and his fight against Joss Whedon and Warner Brothers and... I, I'm sure there will be updates. 
because this is ongoing. Do you think you'd come back and chat with us again? Oh, for sure. I had a great time. Thank you guys for having me. It was uh, it was a blast. And you know me, I love talking about my comics, especially the best comics in DC comics. Ah, uh, there, there, there. You had to throw it in there. Of course, you had to throw it in there. <laughs> I also remember <laughs> that so Ivana for, is for... a big Michael Keaton super, uh, Batman so fan. So oh my god, I love Batman. Michael Keaton. He's my favorite. He's my favorite, favorite, favorite. I also think Pattinson is going to be really good, and I kind of like the crow aesthetic that's happening. And I really am excited to see a detective story with Batman. Still, Kevin Conroy for me. Well, Kevin Conroy is all ours. We were. 9, 10 when he came out. No, wait. Probably 10, 11. Sorry. Who's Kevin Conroy? But yeah. The animated Batman. His voice he does the, the voice of the animated oh, Batman. I did watch that when I was very little. Oh. And you know me, Ivana. Animation is just better than everything else. I like live action better. I, have to, I do like animation, but if I really had to choose... There's there's so many good reasons to like animation better, and I agree that they are all valid. I just happen to like to watch human faces. Anyways, thanks again, Caesar, for coming. You're the best. All right. So I have a kooky idea. Caesar, do you want to stay with us for our like catch-up segment? I'm down. Yay! Oh, this is so fun. Okay. Tell me a little bit more about how you guys met and just like what that first this is gonna be what that first encounter was like <laughs> i don't think jay remembers um i actually got in trouble because he used to sit in front of me in geography class in grade nine and i pulled his chair and he fell backwards and Caesar i got in trouble is a bully. And i had to stay after school and like basically i had detention because i i picked on jay why did you why did you pull 100% on his I chair? remember this because he wasn't <laughs> what was going on in ninth grader you your head <laughs> I think I just saw the opportunity I actually didn't think it was gonna work he he basically decided not to look behind and I saw the opportunity I'm like ah, he's, he's gonna look back he didn't and he fell down right in front of the teacher and I got in trouble and that's not how we started to become he friends. He fell down. That's not how we began our friendship, but that's my f- my first memory of Jay was me making him fall on his ass. Was it like you were like, oh, this, like, my this first will be a memory? Prank? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. It, I, but I thought he wasn't gonna fall. I thought maybe he'd notice it late and you know, you know, catch it. But Jay was too busy probably gawking at the teacher and and decided to uh, not look back. So you have to Miss Weaver. go through a little. Weaver. I remember her name. Oh, Miss Weaver. Was she yeah. good looking? Yeah, she was actually very, she was a yeah. younger teacher. Very pretty. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like something I would do. A hundred percent. Now, <laughs> I, my first memory was, it was probably around that time. And I do remember you doing that actually. Oh. But my, my vivid memory is you had to walk through like the woods to get to our school like you would come wait what you would come through a little neighborhood and then you'd go through a path through this little woods and then you were basically like on the Is football this like field the back way to the school or something yeah i mean you could drive up the actual driveway but we everybody walked to school so that's how you walked to get to school if you were coming from the north to the south okay okay 
that, okay, that makes sense. And I remember like telling Caesar to get the hell away from me <laughs> because I was walking with a buddy through there and he was like, wait up guys, wait up. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to you, man. Like you and your stupid pranks. And I remember that was actually one of my first memories of Caesar. Then what happened was, and it, this is crazy. I swear to God, this is true. Buffy the Vampire Slayer started. And then Caesar and I started talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer a lot. Specifically. How did you guys even like, about Buffy the Vampire Slayer? We, we well, it's not like we never stopped talking to each other. We always were talking to each other. We either razzing oh, each so other like or were, get the hell away from me. Or we like, were friendly. You, you were like kind it was of friendly. Before, it was friendly. Like, okay, okay. And then Buffy the Vampire Slayer came up and I said Buffy was more attractive than Cordelia. And how dare I? And that's how we, I, we began a friendship. They're both beautiful. Over a, over a war of women. But Cordelia is still I, But I have to, I think, I side with you. I think Cordelia is prettier. But to be honest, if I'm picking anyone, I think it might be Faith. Really? Faith? Yeah. What? I think I she's know. really that, pretty. She's no charisma carpenter. She is no Sarah charisma Michelle Gellar. Charisma carpenter is, is gorgeous. And Sarah Michelle Gellar is also gorgeous. They're all so gorgeous. And then that, uh, actually, when we reconnected, it was another WB slash CW show. I was in college. I can't remember what Caesar was up to. I think he was in college too. Yep, university, yeah. Look, the Dawson's Creek season f- series finale was happening. And somehow... We got the idea that we had to watch it together. I can't believe we're recording this. Like I said, Did this you is watch, super like, embarrassing. All of Dawson's Creek up and up to it. Like, is that like a thing? Yeah, we did. Well, we totally watched all of it on actual television. So we had to like, you know, watch the finale and we were talking about it. We watched the finale and then, uh, yeah, I don't know. We just, we've had these moments of connecting and reconnecting over, over life and, now we we talk every single day about something, and usually it's comic book movies or movies in general. Yeah, we always have something to talk about. Well, that's why you guys did the Comic Bugle podcast. Is that ever coming back out of curiosity? We're waiting for the next movie to come out, next comic movie. And that's something I'm hoping will come back. I, I hope so, too. I mean, frankly, I think you guys should consider doing the, the Snyder Cut, but that's just me. The plan is when it does come out next year... Is that That's we, a great idea. We will be doing that. We will probably watching it together. So, well, Ivana, we've told our embarrassing stories. How did you meet Caesar? <laughs> uh, I came on to. Well, actually, this could be a funny story. <laughs> I have been hearing about Caesar for so long that when I joined our Google Meet like conference, I was like, "Hey, Caesar, nice to see you again." Because in my mind, we had already met. And then you informed the two of us that we had not. You had and never met. I think Caesar met. was like trying to be really polite because he was <laughs> like, um, yeah, I think I remember too. <laughs> and, yeah, and Jay, but Jay it's squashed just that. that. He, yeah, Jay squashed that. It went rightfully so. But to be fair, it's like I feel like I've known you for longer just because I hear about you. And like all the things you know about comic books, so. Well, that's Jason. He's always very nice about talking about everybody, and he's always talked about your friendship. Um, and I've also listened to a few of your podcasts. Just 
And that's one that I do remember was that you're a big fan of Michael Keaton's Batman. So I'll give you kudos for that. Love that man. And he knows me so long. He's known me for so long that you just heard him call me Jason instead of Jay. This is, there are two worlds, people. The people who call me Jason because they knew me when I was a little. And then the people who knew me as a big and I'm only Jay. That's true because I only know you as a big. All right, fellows. We have been at this for almost two hours. Honestly, Jay, I do not think that we can have our conversation about Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. No, it wouldn't be fair to the listener, I think. Yeah, and I don't even think that it would be really fair to ourselves because, like, I'm really amped up and I need to go watch Aquaman, like, right now. (laughs) And that's our show. Caesar, you want to join us for this? Yes, I do. Let's get it going. If you'd like to support the show, you can hop on to your podcast service and subscribe. And if you're really feeling generous, why not score us a quick rating or review? Our outro song comes from bensound.com and we encourage you to check out our show notes for more information about our music, our talented voice actors, and sound effects. Jay and I love to hear from you and we build a website where you can reach us, morethanmovies.net. And in case you hate websites, you can email us at Hello at morethanmovies.net. Find us on Facebook at slash morethanmoviespodcast. Yeah, I'll do it again. So I'll be like, or catch us on Twitter. I'm It's Savannah. I'm at Jester J. I'm at Caesar underscore H-N-D-A. And until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more. <laughs>